Summer officially begins next month, but Memorial Day, the Indy 500, and warm weather are all scheduled for this weekend. In addition to sunshine and barbecues, summer also presents new opportunities and challenges to several industries, including law enforcement, parks management, and entertainment. Today on Noon Edition, we will talk with guests from the Indiana State Police, the Department of Natural Resources, and the Nashville Arts and Entertainment Commission to see how they adapt to the changes. And we invite you to join our discussion after this hour's news. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and today we're going to be talking about summer in Indiana. A lot of new things happen and a lot of uh, changes for our our friends at the state police and people who are working in parks and recreation and the folks at DNR. So we're going to talk with with several representatives of of those organizations today. We have uh, three guests with us in the studio, and we have a fourth guest with us as well. Sergeant Kurt Dernal from the Indiana State Police is with us. Tom Tooley is the president of the Nashville Arts and Entertainment Commission. Angie Goldman is the public information officer in Monroe County for the DNR. And also Ginger Murphy is joining us by phone. Uh, She is the assistant director for stewardship for the Indiana Department of Natural Resources State Parks and Reservoirs. Mary Catherine's also here today, so hello. didn't want to forget her. No, I'm here live in person. And you can join us, too, if you want to phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the local calling area. And you can join the web, uh, the web chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. So welcome to everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's kind of crazy getting in here today. A lot of construction around the, <laughs> the old WFIU studios. So we were lucky. You got to stick to the back roads, Cato. I know. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think I get that. I'm sitting in a state park today, so oh, I'm well. in a great place. Yeah. Yeah. You're lucky. We're kind of jealous, I got to say. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about, you know, how Memorial Day weekend sort of um, fits into your calendar. I mean, it's it's always considered we a lot of people consider it the weekend when summer starts. So let's start with Angie. I mean, the DNR and all the things going on at the state parks. Right. Well, as a conservation officer, so we are the law enforcement division Mm -hmm. of of the DNR. And so we spend a considerable amount of time in our state parks and our state forests, um, all the, the DNR properties. And you're right, Memorial Day is the kickoff to summer, and it's going to be gorgeous this weekend. So we expect to see some significant attendance at all of our properties in camping. Almost every single campground in the whole state is is booked completely. So we'll be spending some time in our campgrounds and then certainly a significant amount of time doing boating enforcement out on the water. Mm -hmm. What what kind of things do you look for as you go through the campgrounds? (laughs) 
Our primary goal, obviously, is just keep everybody safe. So we're looking for some folks out there that are doing some things that are not smart. Um, you know, we also we want to keep the peace out there. So unfortunately, camping and drinking tends to go hand in hand in some of our properties. So we're going to look to keep, um, you know, folks who can't keep their alcohol consumption to a decent level and, and then start doing those silly things. So, yeah, we're going to be looking for that. We're also just looking for speed. Make sure that you're slowing down. There's kids and bicycles and pedestrians everywhere. Keep your speed down. Posted limit in most of our campgrounds are 10 miles an hour. And you know what? We enforce it, and we'll write you a speeding ticket for it. So keep your speeds down. Be safe on, in our campgrounds. And certainly, if you're going to drink, do so <laughs> Smartly. Smartly. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're going to be checking boaters as well. What kind of things are you checking for there? Conservation officers are the only marine patrol we have in Indiana. Um, so any any law enforcement that happens on the water is happens through us. And so, you know, we're looking for lots of different things. Number one, safety is our biggest number one issue. And so we're looking for things like life jackets, making sure that everyone has the required life jackets aboard the boats. Um, we're looking for boat handling and and, and rules of the road out on the water, um, you know, making sure people are there, being smart about how they're operating their boat. Um, and certainly drinking and boating goes just as hand in hand as boating or drinking and camping. So although there is no open container law on a boat, so you can drink out on a boat, the operator, those same rules apply on a boat as it does in a car. It's .08. Um, and so make sure that you've got a sober operator. That's another big, big ticket item that we're out there looking for. Are you also responsible for checking people's fish catches? Yeah, that's another huge portion of our job. Hunting and fishing enforcement um, is a large part of a conservation officer's job. So yeah, we're out there, we're checking fishermen, we're looking for licenses, we're looking for bag limits, um, size limits, that sort of stuff, yeah. And just so people know, is there an age limit uh, under which you don't need a license in Indiana? You do not need a fishing license until you turn 18. Once you turn 18, you need a fishing license. Um, And then once you turn 65, you'll need a senior license, which is a little bit cheaper. Or you can also purchase a senior fish for life. Um, And so then you can purchase that when you turn 65 and you don't need another license again. I imagine you can do those things online now. Absolutely. You can do everything online now. You're right. You can get your your lake use permit. You can get your fishing license. um, Just about everything. You still have to go to the BMV, though, to get your boat registered. Yeah. All right. I want to, uh, to go to Ginger, who's on the phone. So what park are you sitting in? I'm in Fort Harrison State Park today, which is just on the northeast side of Indianapolis. All right, tough duty. So, <laughs> so do you want to, to? What can you add to what uh, Angie told us about getting uh, you know the parks and the reservoirs ready? Well, uh, certainly our staff are have been spending a lot of time over the last couple of weeks in between the rainstorms, getting the grass mowed, getting the restrooms open and cleaned, making sure our trails are in good shape for folks who like to hike getting the swimming pools open and up and running, getting the beaches raked and cleared in places where we have beaches. So we've been doing a lot of preparation. And in between that, we have visitors using our properties already, which is a great thing. We are open all year. And we really do a big push the first weekend in May to invite people to come out and uh, start a little earlier, start before Memorial Day and get your camper out and uh, shake the tent out and make sure things are working. But this is going to be a big weekend for us. And as uh, Angie said, it's really our parks are like small cities. Our campgrounds are like small cities on the weekends. And we uh, love having people come. It's great to smell campfire smoke and uh, see people having a good time sitting around the campfire and uh, getting out and enjoying the lake. And we certainly rely on our partners in the Division of Law Enforcement law enforcement to help us make sure everybody's safe. So lots of 
preparation going on and just looking forward to seeing people coming in the gates tonight as they come in and set up the camp. All right. And Kurt Dernal's here, Sergeant Kurt Dernal with the Indiana State Police. Uh, I know it's a busy weekend for, for you guys, too. Yeah, it really is. You know, the 500 is, is going to be on Sunday. And, and, of course, Memorial Day weekend in general is going to be a lot more traffic on the roadway. So um, we send out extra troopers uh, to enforce those state highways and, and uh, to get out there and, and look for aggressive drivers, of course, uh, uh, enforce uh, the traffic laws. And, and um, you know, there's special projects available, too, that are federally funded. So these troopers are not regularly on duty at this time. They're off duty, um, but they're working under this grant uh, to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as I think Angie mentioned no, two or three times, alcohol goes with a lot of things on this weekend. Mm-hmm. So, really uh, I mean, is that uh, you have extra <laughs> patrols out watching the watching for drunk drivers? Absolutely. Kurt, if Absolutely. you see somebody, if you're on the highway going somewhere and you do see somebody who's driving aggressively, <laughs> should you call in? And, and report them, or how should you handle something like that? Absolutely. And the, you know, it's the aggressive driver is the one who's causing the crashes out here. I've never known a crash that we've gone to that hasn't been just somebody not paying attention or somebody being aggressive. Mm-hmm. One of the two has always been a factor uh, for the crashes that we work. So, yes, if you see somebody, and we all do, especially when we go on vacation, we're on the interstate, we're on a uh, four-lane divided highway, you're going to see somebody in your rearview mirror, and here they come. It's going to be 80-plus miles an hour, you know, and they're tailgating, and they're switching lanes too quickly and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Call 911. That is considered an emergency, so you're good there. Um, uh, make sure you can give a location of where you are. It's very important. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, if you don't know where you are, look for some type of landmark. Um, what about like a mile marker sign? That'd be perfect. Yeah. If if uh, if most people could give us a mile marker sign, life would be very good for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what we what we try to tend to do is say, okay, what was the last big town you went through? We went through Bloomington, and we're headed towards Martinsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just passed a water tower. Something to tell us, hey, we know a little bit about where you are. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very important. Just so it is, a, it is a reason to call 911. That's Absolutely. good. I, I know that uh, I've been in situations where I'm like, wow, that guy's really going to hurt somebody, but I wasn't sure how to handle it. So yeah. that's good information. It's no problem to call 911 on that. Absolutely. It keeps, keeps people safe. And also uh, a description of the vehicle is very important as well because, uh, you know, we're not going to ask you to keep up with the vehicle. Right. <laughs> people off the road. As so, exciting as that right. might be. <laughs> um, what about cell phone usage? Is that something your officers look for? It is, but more so we're looking for driving behaviors that uh, result from people texting or Googling or email, whatever they're doing on their cell phone. If it keeps them from driving within the uh, limits of the law, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for folks to go left of center. We're looking for folks to drive off the roadway to the right or not slow down as they're coming up to an intersection. All these things are um, basically what happens when somebody gets distracted. And it's not just a cell phone. You know, It, it could be right. somebody eating their breakfast uh, by Bob, some people read the newspaper in the morning. I know it's not good, it's got nothing to do with you, but they do that um, as they're traveling to work. So anything that takes their eyes and uh, their minds off what they're trying to do is a distraction, and we look for the results of that. What just a refresher? What is current Indiana state Indiana law regarding cell phone usage in your vehicle? It, it requires somebody to be texting to be outside of the law. Okay. Okay. So um, it's it's one of those things that it, it's you know we, we walk up and we see them texting, or if we know that they've had it in their hands and they, you know, they go left of center, we'll probably stop them. It's probable cause for a traffic stop. Uh, however, the Indiana law is very specific. It is in regards to texting. So, you know, whatever, whatever case the prosecutor wants to make out of that, or am I texting if I'm looking something up on Google? 
I don't know. Am I? Uh, you know, if I'm texting Bob from across the city, then that's definitely a violation. But uh, that's up to the prosecutor. Yeah. Okay. It's just as dangerous to look something oh, up. Certainly. Oh, certainly. Absolutely. <laughs> certainly is. Yeah. Anytime you're taking the eyes off the road and onto uh, that yeah. phone. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Tom Tooley's here with us as well. Tom's president of the Nashville Arts and Entertainment Commission. So, Tom, tell me about that commission. What do you? What's your responsibility? Well, well, before I do that, I was I was going to say I was going to have a great time this weekend, but it sounds like Angie and Carter are looking for people like me. <laughs> so I may stay in a house with the shades drawn. And I have to say that Tom was one of my role models as a newspaper editor for many years. So. What are you driving, Tom? <laughs> I have no comment. Right. <laughs> and I do have a cell phone, which I don't text with right. in the car. Uh, the... Uh, the Arts and Entertainment Commission in Nashville was established by the town council, by town ordinance, about a year and a half ago. So we are fairly new, and they set us up to oversee and market the Nashville Arts and Entertainment District, which was also created by ordinance the same year. Uh, and the town applied to the state for state recognition of that district, and we are now an official cultural arts district in the state of Indiana. And it's kind of special, there are only five of us, and three of them are right here mm-hmm. Nashville, mm-hmm. Columbus, and Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Right. The other two are in Carmel and West Lafayette. Mm-hmm. So, what uh, you know, our, our commission's role is kind of defining itself as we get into the process, but what, what we are doing right now is, is trying to make people understand what exists in the village. The thing that we have heard over and over from the Convention Bureau there over the years is that the most asked question they get from visitors is, we know this is an arts colony, but where are the artists? Mm -hmm. Where are they? How do we get there? Mm -hmm. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make uh, people understand what exists in this district and get you to the arts and entertainment venues. And we have a a really super uh, exciting project going right now, the... The way we're going to get people there is by getting their attention as soon as they hit town. And we're going to get their attention with an 18-foot-tall soaring leaf uh, sculpture, a piece of public art, mm-hmm. which is now under construction at uh, the very center of town, right at Main and Van Buren Streets, outside the Convention Bureau office. And it's going to be spectacular, and uh, it's kind of interesting in that we have a what may be a unique uh, a partnership that's unique to this country. We are working with a sculptor there, Jim Connor, who is a veteran sculptor, who is working with a group of veterans. And they are using the process of manufacturing art as part of the healing process for returning combat veterans to try to get them back involved in public life. And their whole mission is to... Uh, uh, number one, try to cut down on the number of uh, veteran suicides in this country, which is an appalling number. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they, they came to us months ago looking for a big project that might get them on the national stage, and we think this may get them there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were all out working yesterday. We've got, I think, five of the leaves up. Uh, they've got 20, 18 more to go be 18 feet tall, and it will have a QR code on the base, which will mm-hmm. take smartphone users to our website, which will give you maps and descriptions of all the arts and entertainment venues in the district. Mm-hmm. 
So it's pretty exciting. That's very clever. Yeah. <clears throat> Can't do it while you're driving by, though. No, you're going to have to stop. But, but, but one of the really uh, exciting to me aspects of this, this is the kind of thing where everybody who comes to Nashville will, will want to stand by that sculpture and, and get have a picture. photo taken, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And it used to be when you did that, maybe that photo ended up in an album uh, in six months. Now it's on Facebook, it's on email within 60 seconds. It's everywhere. And the uh, social media marketing potential for this is just off the charts. So, mm-hmm. so it's fun, and uh, we're really excited about Good. it. Good. So today on Noon Edition, we're talking about uh, different outdoor opportunities in Indiana this summer. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend coming up, and we'll talk more about that uh, as well. But if you want to share your experiences by participating in the live chat on WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, you can do that. You can also call us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. Tom, you know, when we think of Brown County, we often think of it as more of a fall destination. Are there special things lined up for Memorial Day? Uh, you know, I don't think we have any any Memorial Day uh, events that are that are specific to that day. There are there are always things going on there. Uh, and in addition to this large sculpture, we are getting very busy in public art in general. Uh, and we just put up a new piece from a West Virginia artist on the streets uh, last month. We have another one coming in about a week from a Unionville artist. Uh, Another one in June from a Bedford artist, and we'll have another one in July. So we're, we're constantly getting things on the street that mm-hmm. make people know as soon as you hit town, this is an artist colony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at this. And your season is kicking off. Uh, absolutely. It's getting busy already. All right. Uh, well, I wanted to ask, uh, Kurt, you brought up the Indianapolis 500, and I, I just wanted to know a little bit more about you know, what that means for the state place and also for the parks around here i mean do a lot of people come to southern indiana for instance and spend some time in the state parks and head off to the indy 500 then come back to the state parks you know i i I don't see that very much and Mm -hmm. unfortunately from my position i wouldn't have that opportunity to to really pay attention to what everybody's doing during the day. I know our state parks are completely full. And for the most part, they're booked, um, you know, you can book six months in advance. And Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July weekend, those holiday weekends, they get booked. Mm -hmm. You can book out six months in advance, so you better be on it because five and a half months, you know, in or before, you know, within 30 days, Everybody knows Everybody's the rules, booked. and yeah, so they yeah. already they they know what they have to get in. Yeah, early. So I think that last you know any kind of last minute five hundred crowd is is going to find some closed doors. But you know what? I mean, whether they're going to the five hundred, we certainly hear the race on the radio in the oh, campground. Yeah. So oh, yeah. you, you definitely have some five hundred fans down there. Yeah. Well, when I was coming to Brown County State Park as a tourist twenty thirty years ago, I used to book up a year in advance. Mm-hmm. And one year I couldn't get a reservation a year in advance. They told me I had to book up two years. Oh my gosh! Wow! So I, I I hope it's not quite that bad anymore. <laughs> right. So Kurt, our state, with, oh, uh, go our ahead. state park ahead. ends. You can book two years in advance. Um, the campsite's six months, but the ends are two years. So if folks uh, are getting an in room, you can book that far out. Wow! So I, I assume all the ends are filled. Uh, they are all pretty much full, except I think there's a little bit of space up at Polkagon at Pottawatomie Inn, and that's it. So uh, 7,000 campsites and about 600 in rooms and uh, lots of people using picnic shelters and coming out for our program. So 
can be a big weekend. Wow. Ginger, what kind of a, a labor force do you have that, you know, and you're, you're the assistant director for stewardship. I mean, there's a lot of stewardship involved with all these, all the parks <laughs> and all the, the inns and everything that you have. You know, how, how many people are working on that and what all do they do? Well, our, uh, our stewardship section focuses primarily on interpretation, our programs, and then natural and cultural resource management and all of our volunteers. But we have about 350, 360 full-time staff that are working with us year-round. We swell to about 1,800 staff in the summer with our seasonal workers, people who are operating our gates and mowing grass and seasonal naturalists are doing programs and folks are cleaning restrooms and working in our inn. So we um, we employ a lot of people for the season from either Memorial Day to Labor Day or for us anymore from uh, about April through October. We're we're busy, busy in September and October, too, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. once in the summer anymore. So, and I know that Angie sees that and knows that as well. So um, we, we grow staff-wise in the summertime and in the fall to uh, help take care of our visitors. Well, I have a, a follow-up to that in, in terms of, you know, how the parks have maybe changed. You know, I think about all all the people that are trying to build trails around now, you know, the Beeline Trail in Bloomington. Uh, Tom Tom Tooley is raising his hand. Brown County wants, <laughs> wants a trail. But, I mean, state parks have always had a lot of trails, different kind perhaps a little bit, but, but they've always had a lot of hiking. I mean, are – are you doing more trail building, and are you seeing more people using the trails in the parks? And you know, Angie and Ginger, both of you can respond. Yeah, well, I think from my, from my perspective, we uh, we have when we do surveys of our visitors, the number one thing that people use when they visit our properties is trails. Mm-hmm. Uh, campers use them. People come and use them for day use. So it's a it's a really important part of what we do. I think we've had a real expansion in a couple of areas. Um, We've got a number of properties that have trails that link them to communities, such as what's being worked on between Nashville and Brown County. Uh, But uh, Wabash State Park is connected to the town of Bluffton, and they're working on connections up at Pulkagan with Fremont and local communities. There's a lot of that happening with hike, bike, paved trails. Um, We also have... Uh, right there in, in Bloomington and Nashville's backyard, one of the best mountain bike trail systems mm-hmm. in the country. It's recognized internationally uh, as epic, as uh, one of the things they call it. And that's thanks to the work of the Hoosier Mountain Bike Association and a, a lot of volunteers and our, our staff at the at the park. It's a great place. If you're a mountain bike, mountain bike rider, Brown County is a place you want to go. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's epic, that's that's pretty big. That's, that's what my teenage boys say at home. It's something really cool. And, and Brown uh, Brown County State Park will soon be linked to the town of Nashville with Salt Creek Trail, which right. we're about one third finished now. We've got the other two thirds. What kind of a trail is that? Is it a paved? Or? It's, it's a twelve foot wide oh. paved, handicap accessible trail. Super which, deluxe trail, nice. which will, mm-hmm. which will take you from the village to the north entrance of Brown County State mm-hmm. Park and into the park over a bridge. Wow. Now, Angie, you were going to comment earlier, too, about uh, the trails and that you see. Well, I was just alluding to, yeah, that, that's definitely up yeah. Ginger's yeah. alley. Um, she'd be more apt to answer that. But she's right about that mountain bike trail, and, and I don't know if there's any other mountain bike trails being planned for any of the state properties. But I do know that one there in, in Brown County State Park gets a ton of use. And, and I will say some of our officers at Mountain Bike have said that it's a it's a pretty awesome 
uh, mountain bike. It is pretty epic. It's an aggressive uh, mountain. <laughs> yes, aggressive, aggressive, yeah. aggressive. Yeah. All, that all topography those. would lend itself <laughs> yeah. to that, right. wouldn't it? And, and mountain bikers seem to like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. wear your helmet. Yeah, wear your helmet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we have, uh, we do have mountain bike trails at um, actually at Fort Harrison State Park. There's a uh, about six miles. We have them at O'Bannon Woods, which is down by Corydon. We have them at Harmony. State Park, which is way down in the toe of the state, near New Harmony in Evansville. We had in the Potato Creek, and we have a really nice one up at Salamone, which is uh, mm-hmm. southwest of Fort Wayne a little bit. So they are scattered across the state. There are a couple of mountain bike trail systems in our state forests as well. So there's lots of opportunities around the state for people to ride mountain bikes if they want to. And hopefully there are corresponding emergency rooms nearby. Right? <laughs> yeah. We are talking. knows about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, today on Noon Edition, we're talking about uh, summer in Indiana, and we have uh, three guests with us in the, in the studio and one on the phone. Uh, I have to say that Sergeant Kurt Dernall and Angie Goldman both have been on another program uh, on Friday afternoons. And so a lot of people will call in that program occasionally with their questions about laws and about uh, different things that that uh, law enforcement authorities have great knowledge about. So if you want to give us a call about that or about Brown County or about any state parks, uh, the reservoirs, uh, we're here for you today, 855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free, 1-877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. We're talking about summer in Indiana and uh, Memorial Day weekend and all the different activities going on. Uh, we have three guests in the studio, Sergeant Kurt Dernall from the Indiana State Police, Tom Tooley, the president of the Nashville Arts and Entertainment Commission, Angie Goldman, a public information officer in Monroe County and a, a conservation officer with DNR, and also Ginger Murphy, who is the assistant uh, director for stewardship for the Indiana Department of Natural Resources, State Parks and Reservoirs, and she's joining us by phone from Fort Harrison State Park. So she's we're in a studio. She's at a state park. Hey, Ginger, I know there are um, stables uh, as part of, or at least adjacent, I don't know if it's part of the state park there. What what information can you tell us about that? We, uh, we have, uh, well, there's really two ways to ride horses in our state park systems. There are several of our parks that have uh, horse campgrounds, and you can bring your own horse. 
and ride the trails. You need to get a horse permit in order to do that, which uh, sort of like our, our uh, an annual pass or a, mm-hmm. a daily gate entrance, um, and you put that on your horse's bridle tag. So that's one way. But for folks who don't have horses, we have uh, stables where you can come at specific times and uh, sign up to get on a trail ride, and there'll be a guide to help you get on the horse and get situated and uh, provide safety equipment for you and give you some basic riding instruction if you've never ridden before. So uh, it's a great opportunity for kids and families to get out and try horseback riding. And there is a there is a stable at Brown County. Um, our state parks webpage at stateparks.in.gov has information about all those stables around the state, all the parks that have them and what the fees are. They vary from site to site because they're managed by concession operators uh, and what the hours are and just any other information you might need. Is, is that available at, at uh, Fort Harrison where you are today? It is available at Fort Harrison. It's available at Fort Harrison and Brown County. That's probably the two closest locations for most of your listeners. Uh, but both of those parks have uh, riding stables. What a great opportunity for families. Thank you. Yep. Yes. McCormick's Creek is close. It has stables as well and Shackamack isn't too far. Both yeah, of those, yeah, both we of those. We have... don't have one at Shackamack this year, but we oh. do still have one at McCormick's Creek. Great. We're, we're blessed with a lot of state parks in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've also got what Spring Mill is not very far away, and mm-hmm. right. what, mm-hmm. what am I missing? There's something else. Well, so you, get, you got a couple forests too. Yeah, I mean, right. you've mm-hmm. got Yellowwood, Yellowwood State Forest right. and Morgan Monroe State mm-hmm. Forest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and the Lake, and, yeah, and, and the reservoir. Absolutely. Right. right. Okay, so if you want to join us, please call 855-0811 or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, Kurt, I know I've been reading a lot or seeing a lot about the Click It or Ticket campaign. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's a, uh, it's a nice little saying that uh, we try to get out there to folks uh, just to remind folks that, you know, it, it is much safer to be in a vehicle if you are seat belted in, if you are properly restrained in some way. And uh, not only is it the safest way to do it, it's also the legal way to do mm-hmm. it. So we, we encourage that. You know, uh, there's Bob, you, you've seen them. There's all kinds of studies that suggest that, that people uh, will survive a crash if they have a seatbelt on or certain types of crashes, you know, where, you know, we'll walk away from a crash and say, you know, if he had a seatbelt on, you know, mm-hmm. this wouldn't have happened or he wouldn't have been hurt as bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's a box that we check on our crash reports that say, was this person wearing a seatbelt? Was this person mm-hmm. properly restrained? If they had been, would it have been as mm-hmm. bad? Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, these uh, these statistics are kept really well. And uh, it, this is a campaign that where these officers are actually out patrolling for nothing more than seatbelt violations. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So um, it's it's something we want to <clears throat> definitely bring awareness to. Is that another federal program that it is. where you get some money? to? It is. It comes account. down through the state of Indiana and, and out to us. Kurt, I'm sure there are statistics. What? How many fatalities can the state of Indiana, highway fatalities, can the state of Indiana anticipate this holiday weekend? You know, it, it's it's changed over the years. I know when my dad came on the department in 72, we were well up over 1,000 a, a year, 1,300 to 1,500. And it's just, just way too many. Um, I know uh, in these past few years, we've had that number down into the 600s, uh, mm-hmm. five to 600, maybe some in the 700s. So, you know, a lot has changed over the years. There's a lot more traffic on the roadway. There's a lot more cars out there. You know, anytime you up the numbers, there's going to be more crashes. There's mm-hmm. going to be more things that happen. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, 
and and of course seatbelts haven't always been in cars, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know they go back to those days before I was born, Tom. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a tough room, people. <laughs> it is. It yes. was not before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, of course seatbelts are standard now, and and uh, they definitely, without question, save lives. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a phone call. So uh, Brandy is on the phone, and she's from Bloomfield. Brandy. Hey, how you doing, folks? Oh. Hey, go right ahead. Uh, my my question is uh, for Sergeant Turnell, State Police. Yes, sir. Hey, how are you today, sir? I'm fine, Brandy. How are you? Oh, not bad at all. Good. Thank you. Uh, my my question is, uh, I live on the deadly 45. Yes. Yes, I'm between Bloomington and Crane. Yep. So somewhere within that commute, uh, I hit rush hour every day. And, uh, my goodness, it's a nonstop train of headlights oncoming and people trying to get in and out now. Sure. But uh, I just wondered why, first of all, there isn't more enforcement mm-hmm. going on there. I mean, because, you know, come on. We got people riding my bumper. Right. We got people passing on a substandard radius curves. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be some kind of ridiculous method to the madness, but yeah. now they, they've got the uh, I-69 corridor going on in my backyard. Okay. Okay, so we're building a four-lane through this beautiful place back here, Right. and now hopefully that's going to alleviate a lot of the big rigs, a lot of the big traffic, Right. but that's, that's still a couple years off, and uh, you know, I just wonder why there isn't more enforcement going on because if there's a house fire or a traffic accident on 45 it shuts down yeah absolutely and you're right nobody moves and 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 we you know coming through the winter that we just had brandy you know we had uh you know a significant amount of crashes out that way and anytime that that happens because of the nature of that roadway it's a two-lane road as you know there's a lot of hills and a lot of curves and a lot of a lot of places to go out there it's hard to get emergency vehicles back in there and 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 another thing too is you got to remember when you ask for more patrols we are out there but the only thing is it's very hard to get turned around out there and anybody uh anybody Mm -hmm. will tell you that that's driven from bloomington to bloomfield on that road it's a very dangerous road so if you you know if you're coming towards me or if i see somebody tailgating it might there might be 50 cars pass through before i can safely turn into somebody's driveway turn right. back around and get back to where you're going. So uh, I, I understand what you're saying, and, and of course, I-69 coming through is going to alleviate, hopefully, most of that uh, for you, and, and uh, perhaps when it goes through, you'll be the only one on State Road 45, and you'll have a great day. I'm hoping that. <laughs> I but, uh, I'm hoping. But, but I, I do have another question that yeah. kind of tags into that. Sure. Uh, uh, I understood the, the county is responsible for maintaining the roads that these guys are tearing up because you know they, they have to do their their thing to get access to build the new highway sure. but yet no one is maintaining the roads that are breaking down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from now, the construction machinery is that what you're referring to brandy well there's a lot of major heavy equipment coming through sure. here and sure and the thing of it is, I was told that Green County signed a bond that Monroe County wouldn't sign. So Monroe County denied access for this heavy equipment. 
come in through Breeden off of uh, Stanford, but yet Greene County accepted some kind of a bond that would allow the roads to be fixed once this is said and done. Once the construction is done, someone is supposed to be responsible for coming back and repairing the county roads. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and now I, how, how does that work? I think I mean, that's next week's show, isn't it, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. No, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, if it's a county road, the county will be responsible for fixing that roadway. Now, what their schedule is, Brandy, I could not tell you. I don't know how that's going to trickle down from, you know, I-69 coming in, being a federal project, coming through the state monies and then into the county. I, I don't know how exactly that's going to work and what their schedule is. You probably see some potholes that still remain from our winter that we had uh i know they're doing as much as they can as fast as they can to get those well, folks as well but actually, I, I just couldn't tell you what what their schedule is you'd have to call the the county uh proper departments actually, for that. uh the potholes have been here for well over a year and no one has made an attempt to fix this county road and it's destroying perfectly good vehicles yeah yeah i mean i, I mean people they, they fly off of this highway doing 50 60 mile an hour and they hit these holes they're they're craters yeah and you know it, it even in your squad car sergeant yeah yeah I you, mean, if you come off here i mean you're going to destroy your vehicle on this road yeah and yeah. somebody <clears throat> has to come out here and fix it we're, we're going to have to move on, but we appreciate all these comments. Sounds and, like you need to contact yeah. your county officials yeah. and see if you can't get I some have, answers to these I've hard... I've contacted the county officials. Yeah. I've contacted them. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, sometimes a phone call is not necessarily everything that it takes, Brandy. You might need to show up at some county meetings, you know, some county council meetings, and, and uh, you know, let your voice be heard on that. Well, could you come out here and run radar? <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, could you run a radar trap just a <laughs> now, see, the last guy who asked for a, a radar trap was the first guy who got a ticket in the area. So you got to be careful <laughs> what you wish for out there. But, here, I don't drive. But definitely, <laughs> definitely, we can we can start we can come out there a little bit more. Absolutely, I'll pass that on. All right, thanks a lot. Yeah, we appreciate the call, Brandy. Thanks a lot for the call. Eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington. Eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside the Bloomington calling area. You can also join the live chat, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can check in with us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, yeah, you get a lot, a lot, a lot of lots happened since the winter with the roads and mm-hmm. I-69 being built. There is a lot of heavy equipment, so I certainly understand mm-hmm. oh, yeah. what Absolutely. he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he lives down there, so he knows mm-hmm. what's yeah. going on. So. Yeah. I want to get back to the state parks a little bit. Um, I've spent some time in other states, and uh, Wisconsin especially, and, and uh, at state parks there, and um, there facilities, not to be unkind, but their facilities, especially like restroom facilities and things like that, are really, really nice. And ours are really adequate. <laughs> it all kind of good That's, that's the nicest thing that, that you probably heard all week. Yeah. It? Yeah. <laughs> You're very we'll, adequate. We'll take, we'll take adequate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll take adequate. But anyway, I'm just wondering um, what your thoughts are as far as how... Um, Funding for DNR uh, in Indiana compares with other states. If you're aware of, you know, how we rank or compare with other states, I'm sure you're doing the best you can with what what is made available to you. But uh, what are your sources of revenue? Uh, I'm sure you get some money from the state, uh, and then visitors. Anything? Yeah, certainly. Or? 
this this is um, what I like to call over my pay grade here. Um, I'm a law enforcement officer. I'm not a financial she analyst. She just works here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I can I can tell you a few things. And if Ginger's still on the line, she may be able to to chime in with some other stuff. But yes, we do. The money that is taken in in gate fees certainly goes back to the property. And I do know I know like Missouri is another one, and Wisconsin is one. It all comes down to to federal or to to tax monies and how it's allocated within um, all the different state. Um, divisions and, and whatnot. And so some other states, I know Missouri is like 5% of every dollar, some ridiculous amount, or five, whatever, 5% of each percent. They get a lot of money in Missouri for their Department of Natural Resources, and their facilities show it. They've got mm-hmm. phenomenal stuff. Um, so it just comes down to how much money we've got allocated in the annual state budget. Um, and then you're right, we do the best that we can with what we have. Um, but yeah, park. Um, Park entrances and, and all the, the money that you spend when you're in there, all of that goes back into, goes directly, right, bang it in the upkeep, the upkeep of all of our state properties. But, yeah, Ginger may be able to, to give you some numbers. Yeah, thanks, not Andy. To you, not I can, to put you I on can the tell spot. you that um, <laughs> our, our funding comes from a couple of three sources, our operating budget, which covers uh, staff and basic operations and supplies and pays the electric bills that we pay for the electricity, the people using the campground, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of that is paid for through the fees that people pay, or excuse me, about 70% of that is paid for through the fees that people pay when they come in at the gate or what they pay for programs or what they pay when they camp. Our, that's our operations budget. So about 70% of that comes from revenue collected. About 30% of it comes from the general fund that's appropriated by the legislature. So another way to look at that is that um, about 30% of our budget comes from the state legislature. And when you break that down, that's about $1.89 per capita in Indiana per Hoosier. So Mm $1.89 per year in taxes for Hoosiers comes for our operating budget. The facilities, the the taking care of the bathrooms or building new restrooms or uh, maintaining structures. We have, we have a lot of facilities, a lot of buildings that were uh, built even as far back as the 1930s. We have a tremendous presence from the Civilian Conservation Corps um, in our parks. And if you look at some of the shelters at Brown County, those were built in the 1930s, and we work really hard at maintaining those and also trying to maintain the character of those structures mm-hmm. so that they continue to look like they look like in the 30s. That's an important part of historic preservation in Indiana with, it, with making sure that they're safe and they also provide the kind of facilities that people need. But we also have to think about the historic character of the building and what it looked like. But the funding for those things, is, as Angie talked about, comes from uh, funding from the state legislature primarily in terms of capital dollars. And so uh, it, it, we present a budget every couple of years and lay out what we think we need, and the legislature looks at that, and uh, some of it is appropriated. They have to think about all sorts of uh, agencies across the state that need work, and so um, it, it really comes from the appropriations from the legislature for the capital improvements that take place on our properties. We also have friends groups that help us to fund some things. We look for grants, opportunities for matching grants to help provide funding for some projects that need to be done. And so we're we're constantly looking for ways to fund upgrades when we can. Yeah. How do you feel we stack up to other states in the Midwest? 
Well, I think um, really we are because we have um, funds collected our at our gates because seventy percent of our operating budget comes from revenue. We are in pretty good shape in terms of staying open. Uh, there are other states across the the Midwest that have had to close parts. Illinois has had to to close facilities or turn facilities over to uh, to other organizations, nonprofit groups. Um, Ohio doesn't charge a gate fee. Michigan instituted a fee just a few years ago um, to to support their system. Uh, as Angie mentioned, Missouri has sales tax, a sales tax that uh, provides for their parks. And uh, Arkansas has a significant amount of dedicated revenue that comes to their parks. Ohio just recently made a decision to put a a significant amount of money into capital improvements in their park system. Their legislature approved that. So in in terms of being able to operate, the entrance fees and um, gate fees and other fees that we collect have kept us in pretty good shape in terms of keeping all of our doors open. But we can always use additional funding, as uh, everybody can, Mm -hmm. to help maintain the facilities. Mm And just is it the same amount of money? Does it cost the same to get into every each state park, or are there different uh, entry fees? We have a couple of parks that have a little bit different entry fee, just because of where they're located. Um, Prophetstown State Park has a different entry fee; it's a dollar more, simply because of the um, there's a nonprofit located inside the gate at uh, at Prophetstown that it's called a, the farm, and it's an actual farm operation that. Uh, people can go and see historic farming practices. So we collect a fee and share a fee with them because they're a private nonprofit. Then Falsley, Ohio State Park has a little bit of different entrance fee because it's a it's a huge interpretive center that is right on the Ohio River and interprets the fossil beds. But for the most part, every other park is the same fee. What's the base rate? Five dollars. Uh, if you're an in-state, if you're a if you're an in-state resident, five dollar entry per day, or you can purchase an annual pass that costs forty dollars that lets you come in as many times as you want. Great, it's a pretty great deal, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. really. That's, yeah. that's five dollars a carload, not five dollars a person. Right, yeah. that's a great right. deal. All right, we have uh, less than ten minutes to go, so if you want to give us a call, eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the local area or wfiu.org slash noon edition if you just want to go online. I want to talk a little bit more about safety kinds of things. Angie, are there any new laws that people should be aware of on the, you know, for boaters or anything on the lakes? No, no. nothing nothing new, nothing okay. outstanding um, at the at the time, but just, you know, some of the very basic stuff that we see every, every time we're out there. Number one is your life jackets. Every single person on board a boat must have a wearable life jacket that's, that Fitzy, it's in the intended wear. So if you've got kids on boards, you need to have kids' jackets. Any boat 20 feet or, or 16 feet or greater must also have a throwable, so a, a boat cushion type of thing to throw. That's one of our number one um, safety violations that we run into is the lack of those wearable life jackets. Um, some of the other quick and easy stuff is just make sure that your boat is registered, um, that it's up to date. If you're going to be on DNR properties, make sure that you've got your lake use permit. Um, obviously, don't drink and boat. Same as don't drink and drive when we're out there on the roadways. Um, and just make sure you're at an idle when you're in any of the idle zones, any of the bays. Um, that's another big one. Towing without an observer. If you're going to ski or t- tow a tuber, 
you have to have at least two people in the boat. You have a driver and you have an observer. The driver's job is to drive the boat and watch out for other boats. The observer's job is to watch your tow, watch the person that you're towing. So those are some big ticket items. And then just be respectful of other boaters. Um, be aware of your surroundings. If your boat is licensed in, a, in another state, are you allowed to put in in the state of Indiana? Yes. The, the only um, If you are properly registered and it's not expired, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. You can boat in Indiana. Um, it's, it's just like driving your car through another state. Okay, great. And, Kurt, are, are there other things other than uh, drinking and driving that you tend to see go up yeah, in the summertime? absolutely. But if I could, can I make the announcement mm-hmm. on the, oh, yeah, on sure, the sure, crash? Sure, sure, we, we've got a PI crash overturned tanker on uh, State Road 45. So, Brandy, oh you just gosh. called in and, and told yeah. us how dangerous things were out there. So, absolutely, at Garrison Chapel Road, um, the, the highway is not completely closed, but uh, traffic is back up about two miles in each direction oh so right. if you can Brandy's avoid <laughs> yeah. so brandy stay at home stay at home there you go but uh yeah if you could avoid that area uh do so by all means but you were talking uh, safety you. and you know yeah. the the weather is 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 obviously nice now we've come through a, a very dark awful winter and we all survived it um but i want to make sure that folks are paying attention in their driveways bob uh and mary Catherine, because it's, it's very important i have six kids of my own mm-hmm. and uh one of my biggest nightmares is if something were to happen in the driveway when I'm coming in or if I'm backing up into my parking place or whatever. We have a routine that we go through when I get home if the kids are out playing uh, in the yardway, which is right next to the driveway. Um, I'll roll down the window. I'll turn off my um, AM, FM radio so I can hear if somebody tries to yell at me. And I will tell the kids, hey, get in the grass. And everybody knows all 12 of those feet better be in the grass before I come through because it's very important and it, and it, and it has happened uh, uh, to folks. You've heard it on the news before yeah. and, mm-hmm. and uh, we had an IPD officer who uh, who lost a child that way mm-hmm. a, a few years back. And it's just, obviously, it's a nightmare. It's devastating. So mm-hmm. with, the, with the weather coming in and how nice it is, kids are going to be out there playing. A lot of them try to play the hide-and-seek game. I'm going to hide behind your car. I'm going to, you know, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So be very, very careful. Okay. Uh, Tom, we need to go back to you too about Brown County. So you've got some events coming up, or what? You know, what 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 are what are you looking for? What are you looking forward to most for the summer in Brown County? We're looking for people <laughs> and bring money. <laughs> As everybody knows, we we thrive on tourism. That's our only industry in Brown County, and uh, we've always got uh, attractive things going. Our music festivals, uh, art shows. Uh, Almost every weekend. So I assume there's a website you might recommend for people if they want to plan their trip a little ahead of time. If you would Google Arts Village Brown County, uh, that's what we now call the... Arts uh, Village Brown County. Yes, that's what we call the Arts and Entertainment District. Or you can you can go to the Convention Bureau website, uh, and uh, they have a full listing of everything that's going on from now to the end, end, end of the fall. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. And uh, Ginger, anything at the state... Parks that we should be aware of, or the reservoirs. Uh, y- yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know you got a ton of things. Yeah, right. Going on this weekend, we <laughs> unfortunately um, the beach at Monroe Lake is going to be closed. That's right. We should, we, I'm glad you mentioned. Why that. Why is that? We uh, water, well, one of the right? things that when we ha- we have we have a core of engineers reservoirs in Indiana, and we uh, the core of engineers manages the dam mm-hmm. and the water level, and the and the the lakes are there for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Recreation, flood control, and resource management, and flood control takes priority. So, right now they are uh, they've been holding the water level a little bit to prevent flooding of Salt Creek downstream. They're 
lowering it if they can, but when we get a lot of rain, that means they've got to hold the water sometimes in. Mm-hmm. Right now, the water is up over the beach. Uh, the uh-huh. ramps are open, and uh, the lake's open for people to use, although we, you know, when the water comes up, there's sometimes debris floating, logs and things like that, so we want you to be careful. Uh, but um, the beach is closed, but the ramps are open. The pool's open at Brown County. The pool's open at McCormick's Creek, so there's still great places to swim. Just can't do it at the beach this weekend at Monroe. All right. Okay, I have one more quick question that maybe uh, probably any of you could answer, but it, has the recession created any kind of uh, an increase while people kind of stay closer to home? Indiana's not generally considered a tourist destination, but – um, it seems like that since people don't have maybe quite as much disposable income, that things may have picked up. Any, you know, I, I don't think there has been a uh, market decline mm-hmm. in tourism in Brown County because of the re- recession. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that it is a drivable trip for a lot mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. uh, helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and I think we also saw we also have seen um, good usage and and kept usage high in our parks. Uh, we are affected in a lot of uh, places primarily by the weather. That's mm-hmm. the biggest impact for us. People see the weather forecast on Wednesday or Thursday, and that determines how much time they're going to spend outside in a park on a weekend. Mm-hmm. So I don't, we, I don't know that we saw a, a huge uptick, mm-hmm. but we certainly didn't see any decline. Okay, great. We're out of time, and you four have been great. I want to thank mm-hmm. all four of you for being here today. Sergeant Kurt Durnell from the Indiana State Police, Tom Tooley. From Brown County, Angie Goldman, uh, conservation officer with uh, and the PIO for Monroe County, and Ginger Murphy, uh, who is at Fort Harrison today. So uh, thank you to all four of you, and also Mary Catherine Carmichael, Lacey Scarmana, our producer, and Mike Pashkash, our engineer. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening.